Good night, everybody. Yakko Warner. He's kind of crazy. She's a little insane. Keeping energy really messes with his brain. One is the forest. The other's husband is dead. That's why it's so messed up in the head. It's a Silver Linings Playcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Silver Linings Playcast. I'm your host, Jamie Ward, and as far as I know, this is the only podcast solely devoted to talking about Silver Linings Playbook, the movie, and the Silver Linings Playbook, the book. I want to say, what a special episode we have here this week, but uh, there's, <laughs> there's a lot going on. Uh, this is going to be loud. There's a, a, a alarm going upstairs. Uh, okay. Katie's playing video games in the back. And um, I I made a little bit of a mistake. I don't know how this has happened. This has happened several times, but I got off on the episode count last week. And I am truly embarrassed about this. Uh, I know one of the things that... the The only things that I've had going for this podcast is consistency and that is not uh like good consistency or ever but it has existed we've existed every week that we have needed to but but the count has gotten off several times so we are in fact yes this is episode believe it or not 100 this is our 100th episode we've been around for a hundred episodes so this is where the problem comes in. I got very excited last week. I thought it was uh, part 50 of our special 100-parter. But what I found out was that we, are, we were missing a part from further back, right? So even though I called it episode uh, 150, it was not representative of the actual count. Uh, we had special parter 49 of 100. We had 48 of 100. We never had a part 47 of our special 100 parter. So instead of getting this back on track by doing this in a way where we were going to just redo episode 50 or go back, we couldn't, we couldn't load this up as episode uh, part 40. We couldn't do this as part 47 because that, that would confuse people. Then if, if you just tuned in for the first time this week, now, at 47, then what would you be expecting next week? 48? But we already did a 48. So, I'm sorry this is going to be a little confusing, but if you bear with us this week, it will work out. This will be the ultimate solution, and I know that you, you usually expect a lot more clear, concise, and planned out podcasting from us, so follow this, alright? This is episode 100 which is a very special episode, right? But, but what we are doing this week is a continuation of the parter last week. So this is episode 100, part 50 of our special 100 parter, part 50B. Last week will be A. So this is part... 50B of our special 100-parter, 100th episode. You tracking? Okay. Good. And if you're not, you can just wait around and maybe... Because I, f I feel a little bad because we have not had um, the consistency that we have wanted lately on talking about Silver Linings 
the movie and the Silver Linings Playbook, the book, uh, as, as you know, like everybody, uh, we, we, we're here to talk about those type of things. And like last week, I got very excited because I was about to have one of the most Silver Linings Playbooky episodes we've had in a long time where I talked about uh, the movie American Hustle, which is a Silver Linings Playbook adjacent film. And yet we did not get over those a lot of those facts in because we got very busy talking about uh, music and some of these these things that are uh, even more adjacent or unrelated to the topics that we were uh, trying to discuss. Anyway, I think we instead of focusing on the negatives and the problems we make, because this is a learning process, we actually should just sort of uh, revel in the fact that we we are doing things right. I mean, here we are. Here we are, and the actual this is the actual fiftieth uh, parter of our special hundred parter. Even if we messed up and had to call it by a different name, so that's incredible. I had the privilege of being on a podcast last week, which will be coming out uh, tomorrow. I think it's it's they released their podcast on Monday. It's called the First Five, which is a podcast that is an excellent podcast run here by two local comedians in the Lafayette comedy scene. And they, uh, because they're both a ye- less than a year into comedy, they're discussing the importance of what what the first five minutes of, of a set, what the first five minutes of your comedy routine means, and how to get better at that, and how to take that and uh, move forward into a comedy career from it. I'm pretty excited. I'm coming off of, of my first sort of booked show here in Lafayette. I, I was very excited. Last night I got to be on a showcase that had uh, eight comics and a host at a brand new venue, and it was beautiful, and there was uh, a lot of people there. He probably got well over 100 uh, people to attend, and it went really well. I It was my first time where I got to perform... 10 minutes in front of the local scene. It was my first, I, I consider it my first booked show. I have been asked to attend uh, two other shows, but they were both sort of shorter shorter sets. One was uh, a national audition that basically everybody was asked to do, but uh, it was only a three-minute set. And then there was another one where I had I got to do a two-minute set. So this one I got to do 10 minutes larger than all of that stuff. So that was that was very exciting to me. It, it, I sort of got to introduce myself to some other comedians as somebody who has uh, a little bit more of a developed set. Um, it's been very hard to do comedy at the open mics given that they have a three to four minute set time based on how many, which is it's a good thing and a bad thing. This is one of the things that we talked about on the podcast, the First Five podcast, which is coming out, I think I said, tomorrow. So I will definitely, next week, I might even release their like their podcast, like a link to that as this podcast, or it will definitely be in the show notes. I might just listen to that podcast and refer to it as I'm listening along. But for for what's going on here, that was very exciting. And then uh, I came back home and started making some movies. So that was really cool. I was excited to get to do that. Uh, so... You know, this, this is a real focus I have right now. Also, on Friday night, I um, was invited with the rest of my improv group to go to Baton Rouge. We went to LSU 
to perform at the Baton Rouge Improv Festival. And that was really cool because I've never been to an improv festival except for the improv festivals I've been to in the past. But that was more me having to work for the theater that I worked for that was not a great experience. It, well, I'll say that it was a great experience at the time. But looking back, there was definitely, there was um, not a, not a, healthy work environment, not a supportive culture. It, it was definitely run, and I don't want to get too much into it, because if you know anything, uh, this podcast is not about drama. This podcast is not about dishing dirt, spilling tea, any popcorn meme type content. We just, we speak the facts. It's not even like the truth. We just talk about what is going on about Silver Linings Playbook, the movie, and the Silver Linings Playbook, the book. And the, the interesting thing is that we have not even been into the depths of all the content that we could talk about about the movie. I um, recently found out about uh, a podcast. One of the other improvisers was telling me about her podcast that she had run, and it was a very sporadic intermittent they did it when they felt like it but it was all based on um oh there was a abc tv show that was ba uh, based on all the disney fairy tales and i'm forgetting of the name but it was like once upon a time or heavily happily ever after or something but it was a it was a serialized tv show about that and they used to watch it and then dish their opinions on a uh, comment or rant about what they thought about the episodes, like the format of a lot of different podcasts that follow different specific series. Uh, that is was an opportunity where I was able to share, but I didn't. I actually did not even bring up this podcast because I'm trying, I'm trying to have the humility to know that this is, this is a terrible podcast and nobody should listen to it. So I don't need to be bragging about it. I don't need to be bringing it up in credits. I don't need to be telling people that I have it or exists because it's really not meant for the listenership by outside people. Ooh, ooh, excited. Okay, so now I'm thinking about the podcast. This takes me back to my... I did bring up uh, the, the road trip that I took with Brian a number of years ago around the country, and that was reminding me of Bose. And so I'm very excited because uh, tomorrow I am going on a mission to hunt a snake that is terrorizing our, our uh, lake terrain and affecting the freedom of movement for our um, supply trains that operate in the area from, uh, you know, AO Gen to AO. I haven't come up with a name for the little fishing place yet, the little pond or lake, whatever you're going to call it. But very excited because um, our housemate has a very high-powered air rifle. I've looked at it. It... Uh, uh, according according to the stat well let's go over the stats of it from like the the Amazon page or something that's fun so I'm not just talking out of my ass about crazy things um, which you know would be fine if I did too because again it doesn't matter oh oh and also um, so more fun than that too the other day uh, Katie and I went to the mall where I was. Uh, she convinced me to go to the airsoft place where I was, and that was a lot of fun. And that got me back in the um, shooting uh, mindset, um, just target shooting and practice. Not, I don't want to kill people. 
In fact, I don't even really want to go hunting live things, but I have to because um, I kind of do want to that because it's a it's a snake. And even I actually love snakes. So the thing that throws me off about snakes is that when when you are when you're hunting something in the presence of something that has legs, either two or four legs, they have a far more predictable uh, uh, path of motion, right? So, like, if if you came face-to-face with a wolf and, you know, you hadn't been trained in fighting wolves with your bare hands your whole life, it might be a scary situation, but at least you would know how you could run, you could zigzag, you could sort of do what they say to do when you encounter a wolf in the wild. Uh, they're their path of motion is going to be a little more predictable because you have legs also, I'm assuming. And so you probably know how something with legs works. You can sort of move uh, north, south, east, west, and combinations of those two. Now, snakes are very interesting because they coil and they serpentine, and their path is a lot less predictable for people that haven't been, like, so focused on knowing exactly how a snake would move. And that's one of those things where I've seen snakes, but I haven't really studied snakes to the degree that I wanted to for uh, having information about that kind of thing. So let's talk about the uh, what I'm going to be hunting with tomorrow. And I'm excited because I just got um, a new pack of 300 pellets that are specifically made for be like very penetrating they should be able to uh at least at least win the snake so that it's not so anyway let's look at the stats uh we are using the black ops air rifle it is a uh let's see uh 0.177 caliber spring piston air rifle and this, what it shoots at, uh, uh, 4.5 millimeter pellets, and it shoots up to 1,250 uh, feet per second, according to their item um, description. Uh, the Break Barrel Sniper Rifle from Black Ops USA is a high-powered pellet gun with looks as impressive as its performance. Engineered with spring piston technology, the Break Barrel Sniper Rifle fires... Uh, 0.177 caliber, 4.5 millimeter pellets, up to 1,250 feet per second. This included adjustable bipod and 4x32 scope ensures accuracy, and the top-mounted 6-inch Picatinny rail is ready for your choice of optics. The brake barrel sniper rifle from Black Ops USA is solidly built and ready for action with an included one-year warranty. Uh, so, that you know, it seems like a pretty standard idea. I think it's... It's sort of ridiculous calling any type of air rifle, pellet gun, or airsoft gun a sniper rifle. It's just sniper styled, made to look like a sniper. But uh, there, there's really not going to be any range difference between that and any, uh, like a non-sniper, just like any rifle. Yes, yeah, something with a larger barrel will be able to fire a little further and more accurately than a pistol or, uh, um, you know, like a, a machine gun shotgun something like that but but uh the the sniper element of it is very cosmetic we're we're working within a 100 meter distance 
right here. One, one to three, less than a football field. Um, that is one of the things I want to estimate, though. Tomorrow I'm going to go out and take some measurements, and we'll get, we'll get all zeroed in. And again, it's not like a, a super um, accurate. Now, now, what I'm saying, I'm not, I'm also not like trying to disparage this uh, rifle. This is super great for for an air rifle because the the air rifles that I've used in the past have usually been like. 300 FPS per second. So this is almost uh, four, 400 times more, or 300 times more powerful. So it should be able to penetrate a small snake. We'll see because the, the type of snake I'm hunting, I believe, is going to be uh, pretty thick skin. It's a little bigger. Let's see. Let's uh, water moccasin. Moccasin. Let's read cotton about mouth. this. Jamie. Wait, yeah? It's a cotton mouth. Also. It's a cotton mouth also, or in addition, or you're but saying... They're all called the same thing. Like... So there, there is no water moccasin? It's a, yeah, like, yeah, there's water moccasins. So what, what, what is, what's out there terrorizing the land? It's one or the other. One or, so we don't know. Uh, it's, we're getting, oh, so we're going to be hunting a cottonmouth dash water moccasin. And maybe water moccasin was changed because that was an offensive term because moccasin is a uh, type of foot cover shoe um, made popular by indigenous U.S. culture, I guess. Like, maybe that's the... Was it just slang? Who comes up with the names for these snakes? I would call it... If I was naming it, I would call it the mean brownie because it's brown and it's mean and venomous or something. So anyway, let's, let's look up. It's funny, if you, if you Google any type of dangerous snake, I think it shows you copperhead regardless of whatever you look. Is that the most intimidating snake that exists? Okay, so we're, we're looking up I'm I'm even gonna try to pronounce this, but I'm not even worried because a snake can't call in and be offended by me. Um, let's see. Agistorodon, Agistorodon, piscivorous, piscivorous. I'm I'll spell A G K I S T R O D O N. Agistorodon. What the? F Who names these things? P-I-S-C-I-V-O-R-U-S. What? I I see why they call it uh, cottonmouth. Way easier. Okay, so let's let's look up the stats. It uh, it's on the conserve on the conservation status. Um, it uh, it is the least level of extinct concern. That means there's there's plenty. Which oh, is good for their uh, species, but not good for us. So the kingdom, it's an Animalia, Phylum, Chordata, Class, Reptilia, Order, Squamata, Suborder, Serpentes, Family, Viperdae, oh. Genus, Agacistorum, Species, Apisorvius. That sounds sort of like I'm doing some old Latin prayer, right? Anyway, that's the words for the K.P. 
C-O-S-F-G. S- oh man, what was that? That's that's the that's the animal nomenclature thing we learned in school, right? Didn't we learn stupid little stupid uh, little sayings so you could remember that? K P C O S F G S. What was what was that? Keep playing, cause only stupid friends get species or something. I don't know. Okay, so let's see the uh, largest. Oh, this is the largest species in the genus. Cottonmouths, that is. The adults commonly exceed 80 centimeters. That's 31 inches in total length, including the tail. Females are typically smaller than the males. Total length per one study of adults was 65 to 90 centimeters. That's 26 to 35 inches. Average body mass (laughs) has been found to be 292.5 to 579.6 grams, which I don't know how, like... Which, which converts to 10.32 to 20.44 ounces in males. How much is All I know, like, I'm going to try to convert that into soda cans. How many ounces of soda? 12 ounce soda cans? Or soda cans, 12 ounces? I think so. So that, that means it ranges from like two ounces less than a Coke can to two Coke cans? That seems like a pretty big range. Ounces, 20, a sofa can, no, 20, oh, there's 20 ounce cans, or there's 20 ounce bottles, so these snakes can be as heavy as a 20 ounce bottle, um, with the females being about half of that. Occasionally, they may exceed 71 inches. That's one inch shorter than I am. Yeah. I, oh, <laughs> where, I wonder... I hope they have some little like special place like the Lord of the Rings where you can shoot them in the missing scale and kill them. Ooh, we also have bows and arrows. We might, tomorrow, tomorrow might be quite a day. Um, let's see. There's the majority of the species are almost or even totally black. That's just a color, not, not, not a race thing. The color pattern may consist of brown, gray, tan, yellowish, olive, and blackish ground color which is overlaid in a series of 10 to 17 dark brown to almost black crossroads. Uh, the species is often confused with copperhead. It's especially true for juveniles, but several differences exist. A Pichivorus has broad dark stripes on the side of its head that extend back from the eyes, where a, a contortrix has only a thin dark line that divides the pale Supraballus from the somewhat darker color of the head. The water snakes of the genus Nerodia are also similar in appearance, being thick-bodied with large heads, but they have round pupils, no laurel pit, a single anal plate, subcaudal scales that are divided through a distinctive overall color pattern. All right, let's see how how to kill a cotton mouth. Uh, this doesn't seem right. If you Google how to kill a cotton mouth, how to get rid of cotton mouth, I promise. I promise. I'm not exaggerating. The first words that show up are quench sports gum. This gum uses the power of electrolytes to lock moisture into... Oh! 
This is how to eliminate cotton mouth, the, the physical condition, not the snake. Okay. How to get rid of cotton mouth. Quench sports gum. This gum uses the power of electrolytes to lock moisture into your mouth, making it the cream of the crop when it comes to eliminating cotton mouth. It is a good thing I didn't try to use gum. We are going to use an air rifle uh, tomorrow. Cotton mouth snake control. All right. Let's, wait, that was, and that was a, uh, oh, how to safely kill a water moccasin. There's, is there a safe way to kill anything? No, you have to kill something, which makes it clearly unsafe. So that's, I like, uh, the Cura, 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 Q-U-O-R-A, that's, that's a website where people answer a lot of questions and people, I don't like their answer. I looked this up the other day when we first identified the snake. How to safely kill a water moccasin. Get a 12-gauge shotgun with eight shots. How, how hard is it to kill a snake? All right, you don't, a 12-gauge with eight shots, stand, like, that, that's, wait, aim for its head and blow the head off the body. That's how I do it. So that's, that's a person that, uh, that's, that's overkill. That's sort of like, that's, that's taken Soviet level measures. We, we want to uh, follow the rules of land animal warfare and use an appropriate amount of force just to, because th this is about protection. We're not, we're not hunting. And it, I'll say, I feel bad. I feel bad. I don't want to kill a snake, but I don't know where to take it because I've been taking all these other critters. There's a place where I go and I drop off some of the mice that we have. And if I go drop the snake off at the same place, like, then, then I will have thought that, oh man, I'm, I'm sparing the life of this rat that we removed from the house only to drop off the mouse's biggest predator later. That's, that's just cruel and torturous. So that's not the guy. I want everything to be okay and I want everything to live. I just don't want them all to live in the exact same spot. And right now, we have the nicest spot, and because I want to use it and be able to walk around without uh, having my feet protected in leather armor, which ironically is made from dead cows, so something had to die to protect me from some of the other... This uh, It's just a vicious cycle. War never ends, right? We're, so we just have to learn about where we want to use the violence and use it in responsible and, and kind ways. Um, but... But the snake hunt's gonna happen. And, and this actually, it's funny, this reminds me of when I used to go on uh, snake crusades when I was a, uh, a young kid in little school. Um, I remember we'd get three of our friends, uh, three, three of my friends together, and we would go out, out into the woods. And I had a painter pole that I, I took one of the dogs. Um, there was like a cable, you know, those, those wire cables that you hook a dog and you can corkscrew it into the middle of your yard so that you don't have to have a fence. Well, I took that cable and I made a little loop and I stuck it through the end of a painter pole, which ironically, so I purchased a painter pole recently for a whole nother predator we have in the area. I'll get into that story later because that's fascinating too. But we would go out into the, the woods uh, around our school and actually I think I think we were just looking for all the contraband things that we could find, um, but we we were also looking for snakes. It was a very 
Stand By Me-ish situation. I guess. I don't know. I've never seen Stand By Me. I just know that there's four boys in it, and they walk around. So it's it's a lot like Lord of the Rings, I, I, I guess. Um, Stand By Me is just Lord of the Rings in the 1950s, sort of. That, that might not be accurate at all. I... I you can't really make a comparison about two things when you haven't even seen one of those things. So it's just a guess. But anyway, yeah, we used to go on these uh, snake crusades. And I would, I would go find them. And I don't think we ever found them. But we, we found some very other questionable items in the woods. Uh, apparently people just leave. I don't know if, if these are adults that just drop off their stuff that they can't have. Or if it's other kids that just leave it in the, in the woods and stuff. Um, but we did that. I also, so anyway, we found, uh, let me tell you. So I got the painter pole too, because I, have I been chronicling my combat with the bees lately? We have been fighting, uh, we have at least two hives that are, that are built into the house. Uh, a bee man came out recently and, uh, used some thermal imaging, to find that there, there are potential hives inside some of the walls. So I've been spraying them on the outside with this 24-foot painter pole, uh, which, and, and I've been having a lot of fun for that, with that. I think if you've, if you've heard me doing a podcast in the last couple weeks where I, in fact, I think I have, so I've, I have been attacking them, and I, I'm so disappointed because like I felt like I had gotten them pretty regulated like it's sort of uh blasted them away and there there was not even as many out there but yet they just keep coming it's like no matter how much i would spray the outside there there would just always be some so that's why we had to take the measures of of getting an expert to come in and actually try to find us doing this and we did, and I'm so uh, so we might we might get like professional to sort of take care of that, right? So, but but something that is within my control, we are going to go on a snake hunt tomorrow, um, and we're able to we've got just a nice little spot where we can sit up uh, an elevated position and just rain down lead around the pond until there is no snake threats anymore. I'm wondering how many snakes are probably in the same area. If we see uh, how many cotton mounds live together. How many cotton facts about water moccasins. So I know this is a weird fact list today. We usually talk about Silver Linings Playbook, the movie, and the Silver Linings Playbook, the book, but this is pretty important because uh, snakes in the area really affect our ability to do the podcast. If, if this place became overrun, then this would be a snake podcast and not a people podcast. And we, so, you know, I don't want to be political and stuff, but we, we have to establish the human dominance in this area or we won't be okay. Um, also, I'm really upset that I did not document the snake battle as well as I documented the bee battle and we call could have called it uh, snakes on a drain because it's water drainage um, 
area. It's it's a little bit of a stretch in a title, but you know, this is the Silver Linings Playcast, so we don't we're not here for accuracy, right? We're here for consistency. That's oh, here's a picture of a snake eating a frog. You all can't see that. That's that's nature. That's just the circle of life. You realize how inaccurate the Lion King was? Because, like, only two animals died in that whole movie, and they were both lions. If if they had actually been um, portraying the circle of life, there would have been so much death. Have you ever watched a documentary on Africa? There is just nonstop animals killing animals. It Like, it is not... So anyway, cottonmouths mate in spring, usually from April to May. That's when it is right now. This is April to May. We're, so so the cottonmouths are out there getting it. During the mating process, males slither around, waving their tails to lure females. Familiar, all right? Um, the males fight each other. Ooh, when, com when competing for females, have a gestation period of five months. Cottonmouths are... Ovoviparous. I'm not even making this word up. Ovoviparous. Ovoviparous. Which means eggs incubate inside the mother's body. Females give birth to live young every two to three years in litters of about 10 to 12. Wow. That is not much. Let's see, cottonmouths. The eggs. Females give live birth every two to three years in litters of about 10 to 20. So that means each, so they, they tend to 20ify, but only in two to three years. So that means they three to nineify, or three to 11ify every year. Um, baby cottonmouths are born brightly colored and go off on their own as soon as they're born. Okay, so that that's good, because that means that if we see a couple snakes, they're not likely to, it, they're, they're clearly not um, hiving like bees. So we might not have to take care of that many, but I definitely want to take care of these. I feel like we actually, here's the irony that I'm finding. The best way to kill male snakes would be to bring in some women snakes to attract them. We got to set a snake club up out there and have snake night for all we can let's see what do snakes eat i'm sure it's general like oh they eat the other things that are in uh what do cotton mouths eat cotton frogs fish smaller snakes including other cotton mouths small water birds and small mammals carry on and sometimes fish or stringers make up the cotton mouths diet okay so, it's a good thing I don't see toes on there because I have 10 of those and I do not want to be uh, cottonmouth food. But uh, toes could still be the enemy of a cottonmouth. So, um, definitely going to wear my boots tomorrow, even though we're hardly. So, let's see. The fish, frogs, fish, and smaller snakes are probably all out in that same area. They like being around the water. Can cotton mouths swim? Why aren't we talking to our producer? I'm sorry, chat GPT. We forgot all about you. You see, AI's not going to take over the world because I can't even remember to use it. I wish it would take over the world, please. Then I'd have less stuff I have to do. Um, why is everybody like, 
Oh, I don't want AI to take over my job. Let's just get AI no. to do your job for you. Let's see, how do we even log into this? Um, okay, here, we are back on track. We have to log into our producer. I bet we're the only podcast that actually has to say that, right? Usually it's a human. Verify that I'm a human. Why do I have to verify I'm a human to use artificial intelligence? That's ridiculous. That, um, logging it, wait... This, what happened to our chat GPT? I can't log, log, log in. I'm, I'm going to need AI just to log into my AI. I don't remember how to log into my AI. This is, this is definitely, okay, here we go. Oh, yeah, David L. Russell's career lyrics to Seven Years Comedian's Life and Career podcast. Okay, so how do I deal with Cotton Mouth? Cotton Mouth also knows, that, wait, no. Okay, so ChatGPT also thinks I'm talking about the condition. Cotton mouth, also known as dry mouth, can be uncomfortable and make it difficult to speak, eat, or swallow. Here's some tips. Drink plenty of water, stay hydrated, chew sugar-free gum or suck on sugar-free candy, avoid caffeine and alcohol, breathe through your nose, use a humidifier, talk to your doctor. Uh, I am going to call up the VA tomorrow and ask them how to deal with the cotton mouth in my backyard. And they're probably going to be like, wrong kind of cotton mouth. Uh, you need help. No, I'm just kidding. That's, not, that's a dumb joke. Okay. Uh, how do I deal with cotton mouth snakes? Feed the gum to the snake. No. If you encounter cotton mouth snake, also known as water moccasin, it's important to give the snake its space and avoid any interactions with it. Here's some tips to deal with it. Keep your distance. Wear protective clothing. Uh... Long pants, boots to protect your skin from bites. Be aware of your surroundings. Snakes are often found near water. Be especially careful near lakes, rivers, and swamps. Use caution when hiking or walking in snake-prone areas. Seek medical attention immediately if bitten. It's important to remember the cotton-mouth snakes are an important part of the ecosystem and play a vital role in controlling rodent populations. If you encounter a cotton-mouth snake, give it the respect it deserves and allow it to go about it's business. So what, you're just supposed to, like, buy its mixtape or something? What What in the world did respect it go about its business? Eat, eat the... We do have a pretty beautiful balance here, though. Maybe I shouldn't be upsetting nature. This really poses a, a, a tough question. Do we want to be comfortable? So, so on another podcast that I like listening to, I... They were posing something that I actually um, had written about years ago, back back in 2011, 2012, whenever the Atlanta Improv existed. It's funny that the number that one of the main causes of destroying our ecosystem and and affecting climate change is air conditioning and our attempt to change the climate. That us using things to change the temperature of inside buildings is the greatest thing that is making it warm up outside. So there's a weird, there's a weird um, cyclical effect that those things have, and I'm not really sure how to deal with them properly. So maybe what we could do is just turn on the air conditioning and make the environment so bad outside that all the snakes die. But then if all the snakes died, then there would be all the rodents and they'd come inside and they would eat all our grain and all our rice 
and then what would we do as humans? We'd have to go plant some more and we have to go outside, but it would be too hot because we made it too cool inside. So there is no solution. So I'm, I'm, I'm not <laughs> able to think about the bigger picture right now. And I'm sorry about that because that's, that's what this podcast is all about, right? It's about thinking about the bigger picture. It's about thinking about the consequences of our actions, thinking about how uh, we forgive ourselves for our sins of the past or our perceptions of who we are and who we want to be, how we find love in, in a world that seems like everything is out of control. And yet, I, I think all roads are leading me to the path of I'm going to have to kill a snake tomorrow. And I, I said that I was never going to... Um, no, I never... I was just trying to be dramatic. I was going to be like, I had promised I would never kill again. Like, we've been watching a lot of classic action movies and stuff. I watched Die Hard for the first time, and they always say incredible things like that. Uh, really, I think if there was any quote that I could possibly quote from an action classic movie, it'd be first blood and be just, uh, I just want a sandwich. Then, and that is the problem that sort of sparked a whole series of, I think there's four, four Rambo movies, but a lot of violence. How many people lost their life because one returning Vietnam veteran just wanted lunch in a small town? where the sheriff, played by Brian Dennehy, was, was just didn't want Vietnam veterans to have lunch? Come on, everybody wants lunch. When, back in 2009, when, when me and my buddy started the Lunchtime Cowboys, that name was, was given to us by, uh, by Chris, who was one of our founding members, who was like, everybody likes lunch, and people like cowboys. Let's be the Lunchtime Cowboys. But, but the thing that really stuck with me from that was the, the part that he said, everybody loves lunch. And I don't think anybody's ever been disappointed by lunch. You can be disappointed in what you have for lunch, disappointed you didn't have lunch, but, but have you ever been presented with lunch? Have, have you ever been at work or school or just during the day and somebody's like, here's lunch? If you're like, oh, I don't like lunch. And, and you can wait to have the lunch later too, but it's, it's really nice. It just gives you, uh, you know, this feeling of security that, that you have it, that you can have, have it. And so, and I actually have to say, I, I am so hungry. I actually meant to go make nachos like hours ago, but there have been a lot of things going on. And, um, I think it's probably about time that I could, I could wrap this up. Uh, so yeah, we're a little bit short, but you know, we went most of the time, uh, maybe we'll do a part, uh, B2 tomorrow, which ironically would not be about bees, but would be about snakes. And we can update you on that. But anyway, uh, thanks for tuning in, tune in next week and every week, as long as we keep doing this for all the latest on Silver Linings Playbook, the movie and the Silver Linings Playbook, the book. And until next time, we will see you down the road at Excelsior. Also, yes, we went back to the original theme music we'll 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 bounce between the two uh but um as for now you get the original but thank you so much uh we will see you down the road and excelsior he's kind of crazy she's a little insane keeping energy really messes with his brain one is the forest the other's husband is dead that's why it's so messed up in the head. It's a silver linings play cast.